what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning into the show. Got my usual crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 47th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into is the UFC, uh, particular, particularly the pay-per-view UFC 206 that's coming on this Saturday. Uh, first fight that we're about to get into is Donald Cerrone versus uh, Matt Brown. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight, Darnell? And it's quite possibly the most fun fight on the card uh, outside of the main event, just because it's two guys that you know are going to be willing to exchange. And uh, it, it'll be technical on one side, just because even though uh, Cerrone is a knockout artist, he's a very skilled striker. Uh, Matt Brown is just kind of the epitome of toughness. So... Uh, he, he's willing to go to war with anybody. So, I mean, it, it may only last around, but these two are going to come out guns blazing. All right. Now, uh, Donald Cerrone, he was supposed to have a fight last month, but got called off due to, um, his opponent not making weight. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a sh- kind of a short notice fight for him. Uh, he didn't really have a particular amount of time that he had. Uh, to train for uh, his last opponent. So this is, uh, I think, less than a month uh, after the uh, the original time he was supposed to fight. Do um, you think he could particularly be rusty in the ring with this uh, with Matt Brown since he's not really he didn't really have enough time to train for him uh, particularly? Or how do you think that will affect him? For a lot of fighters, I guess I would say yes to that, but not Cerrone just because. I mean, this guy would fight every month if you let him. Pretty much, so, yeah. Yeah, so just as quick as he can turn around and get to another fight, uh, he he had, he had put in uh, most of a camp for Gaslam. Uh, this is probably actually an, an easier fight to scout uh, just because Matt, Matt Brown isn't doesn't have uh, the wrestling ability that Kevin Gaslam did. Uh, it's just more he has to worry about mainly watching Brown's hands. Uh, his last fight, he did pull out some kicks, but he's still just not a big... It's, it's going to be throwing hands. That's basically what he does. Uh, so as far as just scouting his opponent, it, it was a better draw for him in that way. And Cerrone's always got a gas tank to go. So I don't think it's going to make much of a difference for him. Okay. Now, how do you see this fight going? Like I said, uh, prior round or two, uh, like I said, Brown is a brawler. He he has knockout power. So, I mean, if if he happened to catch Cerrone, he can put him out. But I, I'm just going to have to go with a more skilled fighter here, and that's Cerrone. Uh, probably a mid to late second round stoppage, I think, due to strikes. Okay. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, is there somebody that you would like to see him fight next after this fight? I mean, I think if he wins this one, like, I, I mean, I honestly do think he should kind of be in the running to be considered for a possible tighter shot, title shot or a title eliminator, get him against another uh, top opponent. I mean, I know probably uh, Wonder Boy is going to get an immediate rematch against Woodley. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think if he wants to stay at 170, it's time to give him one of the, one of the elites of that, uh, you know, 
just somebody in that in that top five range. I don't, I don't care who, and I don't think he would either. But I, I think he's ready for it. Okay. All right. Up next, we're about to get into Anthony Pettis. Uh, do you think he finally found the right weight class for him? Uh, I mean, I, he was a former champion at 155, but people seem to kind of figure him out and he he was smaller for that weight class. It's probably a little bit better that he's not going to be going against guys so much bigger than him. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a dynamic striker. Uh, but if he, if he's not catching one of his slick showtime style moves or if somebody can figure out how to smother him, that that was the way to beat him. Okay. Uh, but now Dropping away class, guys won't be able to bully him as much. Uh, might do a little bit more uh, for him to be able to stay out of range and do damage to people. This is a nice, uh, nice measuring stick to see how he will do against the elites of the featherweight uh, class. Uh, so if, if he can get past Max Holloway and get that interim title, next would be Jose Aldo, and I think that's an amazing fight to watch if if that gets set up. Yeah, I do believe uh, that would be a pretty entertaining fight to watch uh, between him and Jose. Uh, but can't count uh, Max Holloway out. Um, you no, know, he's, he's yeah, a beast exactly. in his own right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, if he definitely if he definitely beats him, um, you know, he definitely deserves a title shot for sure. Um, you know, my whole kind of thing was just I was just a little kind of shocked. I would like to see Pettis uh, fight, you know, just at least one more fight uh, just to show me that, you know, he was ready for this. Uh, because you know he's only he was uh, one in three um, in his last uh, four fights, so just to make sure to show me that um, you know that he was actually ready and hasn't really truly been figured out in this uh, weight class. But you know, like I said, this is his time, and you know if he can pull this off against Holloway, you know he definitely is going to show everybody that he deserves it for sure. Uh, but how do you see uh, him and Holloway? How do you see that fight going uh, when they score off Saturday? This one's interesting. I mean, both have the capability to put the other one out early, but both are very smart fighters too. Yeah. Uh they they both are very good at staying out of uh dangerous situations on the feet. They're both better strikers than they are at anything else. So I think this one might be more of a technical fight. It might not end up as exciting as uh, some other fights might be because I don't see it breaking down into like a brawl. I think there's going to be some feeling out of each other and trying to find range and like two smart fighters going at it. There's going to be some nice exchanges. It's just not going to be a drag down like barn burner or anything. I don't, I don't think. Okay. Uh, they both throw out their styles and go after it. Max Holloway is more leaning to something like that he's probably more apt to just let's go throw leather yeah uh, that's not really pettis's style okay uh so if you were to you know to kind of predict do you think this will go to distance uh, it has a good shot of it yeah okay all right um so as long as it's entertaining man nothing wrong with that uh you know <laughs> these are two uh top fighters so um you know if uh, these guys can definitely make something happen in the ring. So it would definitely be interesting to see. Um, just I was just talking to you about this before the show. You know, I'm not sure if this is, you know, with uh, how the car was originally set up. Um, I don't know if this is a good 
card to have these guys on a pay-per-view. You know, it'd be nice if it was uh, actually on Fox or something, but I don't know how this will sell um, just based on, you know, how the card is set up. Since, you know, you go from uh, Rumble to Cormier being the main event, then, it's, you know, it's uh, Holloway and Pettis. So, you know, two, yeah. two de- definitely, you know, skilled fighters, but, you know, it's a drop-off when it comes to, uh, you know, talent and uh, names. Um, For sure. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, this 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 is a card that's not like it's. There will be some good fights on this. If, yeah. if somebody watches this card, you get the top of the card, like the the main four fights, I think are all actual, pretty solid fights. Yeah. Uh, like there'll be some good action. Out there. Uh, but it's it's not one where there's a name where you're gonna have a bunch of people calling their cable providers and ordering this this card. Yeah. Uh, Pettis has a little bit of a name on him. Cerrone's got a little bit of heat on him because of the run he's been on, but neither of these guys are, are pay-per-view draws. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would have been, I think it would have been in the UFC's best interest to see if they could sway, sway Fox to throw this one on a Saturday night. Uh, cause I, I think this would be a good one to showcase the fans. Yeah. Uh, because possibly get people, uh, you know, that just maybe just a little casual guys, or you know, just flip uh, to the channel, uh, yeah. become hardcore fans of the sport. So uh, yeah, because because I, I do think three of the top four fights on this card could end in finishes. Yeah, like I'm pretty much certain. Like I said, Matt Brown and Cerrone will. Yeah, uh, there's very good chance Cub Swanson uh, and Duhu Choi will and. I wouldn't be shocked if Pettis and Holloway ended in a finish, but like I said, that they're not quite as likely as the other two. Okay, yeah. Now you just brought up his name too, uh, Duhu Choi. Um, I haven't really been following him, um, like you have been following him. Uh, but you know, yeah, you've been saying you know he's a very entertaining fighter. Uh, so you know, to the people, man, what you know makes him exciting, and uh, what do you expect out of him uh, this Saturday? Well, it's just, he's, it's funny. You see him walk into the ring and this guy looks like a, like a 15 year old Harry Potter <laughs> man. Or something. You expect to see this dude in the library reading a, a comic book or something, but yeah. he comes in and just has a little goofy smile on his face. He, but you, you would never expect that this guy has put on some just violent finishes since he's been in the UFC. Uh, his striking is ridiculous. He, when he's in tough situations, he stays calm and tries to get his way out of it. And, uh, he's, he's patient for it. As good, as good as he is, it's not, he, he's not just walking in to try to buzz off people. He sets up strikes and he puts people out. Uh, so he, he's been feasting off of the lower part of the featherweight division. This is his first fight against a, a top contender in Cub Swanson. This is somebody that's, that's been through every type of style. This is somebody that's fought the best of the best. So, uh, this is now that test, uh, to see if he's just been feeding off a lesser talent or if the nasty knockouts he's put out show he's for real. And to see if he lives up to that nickname of the Korean Superboy. Korean Superboy. Okay. Now, uh, if he now if he does win this fight against Cub um, in great fashion, uh, you know, like one of those brutal knockouts, or whatever you've been saying, uh, 
how close do you think he is uh, coming you know, to a title shot if he could pull this uh, fight off Saturday? If he blows by Cub Swanson in the first round like he's done in so many of his recent fights, first or second round knockout, and it's not even close, yeah. I think he could be the next man up after uh, the winner of Pettis', Pettis. Holloway fight, Aldo. He oh, he could be there, or or they give him somebody like a, a Frankie Edgar or something like that to oh, wow. okay. create a number one attender, contender. I I think he's he's making his way that close to oh. to getting there, which is why I think he's he's placed on the card where he is as a 145 pound fighter. He's he's right under the two main fights, okay. so I, I think he's just about there. All right, might as well be on this guy, man, for sure. You make him seem uh, seem like a very entertaining guy, so I, I'm definitely going to be having my eyes on him. Uh, anything else to add for UFC 206? Like I said, it, it, there's definitely going to be some, I think, some fun fights on the card. I mean, going all the way down, you got Jordan Mean on the fight, uh, making his way back into the UFC. You got Tim Kennedy and uh, the previously noted uh, Kevin Calvin Gastelum, uh, since he couldn't make weight at 170, the UFC is not allowing him to fight at 170 anymore, so he stepped in for Rashad Evans to fight Tim Kennedy. It's an interesting fight. Uh, probably not going to be as exciting as the other one since these are uh, two wrestle-heavy fighters. Okay. Uh, they, they, they both have power, so somebody could get put out, but uh, that one could... That could go either way. It could be a fun fight, or it could be one that you don't want to see. And just the rest of the card, there's there's some stuff that could go either way. Like I said, fun fight, uh, fun for a hardcore MMA fan. I think they'll still enjoy the card, but uh, definitely would have been better served to be on Fox or FS1 or something like that. Okay. All right, we're still going to be talking UFC. About to get next up into uh, Darnell's boy, uh, Mighty Mouse, uh, Demetrius Johnson. Um, dude was a beast, man. You know, what can I say? Uh, you know, he had his fight against Tim Elliott. Uh, hands down, the weirdest fighter I've ever seen in the octagon. Uh, that was my first time seeing Elliott fight. I was like, what the hell is up with this guy? <laughs> you know, he, he's fighting like Mighty Mouse. It's like, you seriously going to pull some of this stuff off on him? But... Uh, you know, he he started that fight off, man. He gave him a run for his money for sure. You know, could have possibly finished that fight in the first round. Uh, he was getting to him. But uh, as Mighty Mouse is always, man, he finds a way to win. Um, what were your thoughts on that fight, man? I mean, like, you summed it up pretty well there. Tim Elliott is, he's hard to prepare for. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone can prepare for him just because his style is so weird. You know, hands down. Uh looking like throws punches from weird spots and angles not just punches and, but slaps too man yeah yeah <laughs> like he do, it does whatever to get in and 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 he he's a kind of a he pulls off just random chokes i mean if, yeah. if people watch watch this season of the ultimate fighter he he beats somebody with a bulldog choke wow. uh beat somebody with an inverted uh uh inverted uh uh guillotine choke uh he he almost pulled off a Darce on uh dj he he had a tight one in there that he was going for i mean he he has a 
a grip like a like a rope on people and when, if he can get a hold of your neck he, he puts people out uh, which is why he was the champion of uh previous organization he was in uh this this uh season of the ultimate fighter world champions from lower promotions from all across the world and had them fight in a tournament to earn this this fight uh, but i mean after getting through that first round where uh dj had to deal with him uh being in his clutches basically and worked his way out showed that calmness of a champion and made his way through it and then just basically dominated the fight for the next four rounds and showed why he is indeed the number one pound pound fighter in the world yeah uh that was you know yeah i think he had him close to you know 20 minutes so that whole fight of having elliot on the ground uh mm-hmm. just absolutely great work that was just a very entertaining fight uh to watch you know just them just grappling you know wrestling uh maneuvering all on the ground and everything like that uh just very entertaining fight and you know just good for those guys to see but yeah you know elliot he caught my eyes for sure and i was like wow this guy's gonna pull some of this stuff off against mighty mouse but started you know it worked pretty good in the first round man but you know as always you know mighty mouse he does his thing so uh you know back to the pound for pound you know you really believe like out of all the uh fighters right now in the ufc you know he's the top guy yeah i mean he's he's gone through everybody in his in his weight class and has made them pretty much all of them look terrible like like you said, Tim Elliott showed some flashes in that first round, but afterwards it was a normal DJ versus somebody fight. They had nothing for him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he's closing in on Anderson Silva's record record for title defenses. One more and he ties him. Two more, yep, he breaks it. Yeah. So. yeah. And uh, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. He hasn't shown a weakness yet. Yeah. He's seemingly getting better every fight. Yeah. You know, so young. He's still pretty young, too. Uh, I think 30, if not, or around that age. So, you know, yeah, he's definitely uh, still got a lot of learning, that, you know, to do. So, for sure. So, I think you basically just answer it, man. But can he be beaten? He, I mean, of course, anybody can be beaten at some point. Yeah. You catch a random punch or something like that. But I, there's not a, there's not anybody that I'm putting money over him to do it that's yeah. just not happening yeah <laughs> i hear you there man um now who do you who you think will be next for him to uh fight um could you possibly see you know uh another fight between him and elliot uh soon down the road or is there somebody else that caught your eye that you would like to see him fight or what i'm not sure i mean it, it's, because you don't want him to like relinquish the title when he's this close to breaking the record. So yeah. I want I want to see him defend that title two more times. Yeah, uh, you go against who's in front of you. It looks like there he might have a third fight now against uh, Benavidez since he beat uh, Henry Cejudo in that uh, Ultimate Fighter finale. Yeah. and he he looked impressive doing it. Uh, I mean, and their fights have been fun fights, so it's not like it's a bad fight. It's just DJ's beaten twice already, yeah. uh, so it's not like a, a trilogy means something. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they pulled out all the stops here having this big tournament to 
find a an opponent for him. Yeah, like that's just crazy, man. Like dudes been dominating, you know, so much. Like they had to get like their own like TV show just to, like get a whole bunch of guys, you know, to duke it out and try to fight the guy. But uh, just absolutely remarkable what he's been doing in the ring. Yeah, and it's he he's he's already cemented himself as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, it's just continuing. Exactly. Um, now, anything else to add uh, before we get ready to move on? No, just he, greatness was shown there by Mighty Mouse. Exactly. All right, next thing that we're about to talk about in sports, just general sports, is marijuana. Uh, previously, uh, last week, Steve Kerr made a comment about uh, using pot uh, to help with his back problem that he was having uh, through last season. Um, He's not a player um, anymore, but he was a coach. But uh, this could help add to the discussion of pot use in sports. Um, what are your guys' thoughts just uh, on pot use in um, any sport, whether NBA, NFL, uh, or whatever? Well, I mean, science has been building for years now that there are medicinal qualities that I can have. Uh, at some point, I think the the major four sports, they're going to have to accept some of this stuff. And like, as long as it's for a treatment purpose, therapeutic purpose, not just uh, somebody wanting to smoke on the weekends and get high, I think they're going to have to start looking at it. I mean, especially a league like the NFL uh, that looks at so much on a scientific level as far as how they're building teams and what works as far as training and stuff like that. I mean, if, if you can get players back on the field and they can feel healthy, I don't see why they wouldn't want to look into something like that, uh, especially with how far things have come where it doesn't have to be like actually smoke joint. You can get pills where there's no THC, which is the component of marijuana that makes you high, that uh, could prove to be a, a helpful thing for some of these players. Uh, so, And with more and more states adopting at the least medicinal marijuana, a couple states now allowing it for private use, the leagues are going to have to follow suit at some point. Yeah, I hear you. Um, one of the big things about this uh, that, you know, I've thought about, especially for football, because uh, guys in football, they get injured like crazy. Um, after their career is over, they're having, you know, such problems, uh, you know, with head injuries, you know, their back and just a whole lot of things. But, um, you know, they – give you know i've already heard that they give them all types of painkillers and everything uh like that uh just hand them out basically to them uh so they can get ready to perform on the field and i kind of thought about it i was like you know here these guys are getting addicted uh possibly getting addicted to these painkillers and so forth to help them get through the day and, you know i kind of thought about it you know with all these painkillers and stuff, you know, like a lot of people, they think of, uh, 
you know, cocaine, heroin, you know, all these other type of drugs. But, uh, you know, there's a over-the-counter uh, drug epidemic that goes on in this country as well. So I kind of thought about it, it's like, is this really, you know, if somebody that's you know, addicted to painkillers, is it that much worse than someone smoking a joint uh, to get through the day with whatever type of injuries or, you know, pain that they're having? Um, I know one in particular uh, that stuck with me that I read about this year. Uh, you don't know who he is, Tyler, but uh, there was this uh, wrestler by the name of Kurt Angle, uh, actual um, athletic wrestler and, you know, sports entertainment wrestler, you know, with WWE and so forth, shared this article with Darnell where he was talking about... Um, basically how we had to take about 50 painkillers a day just to get through the day because he was dealing with so much pain that was going in uh, with his body. Um, so my whole kind of thing about it is, you know, if he, if he was not smoke a joint or, you know, take a pill or whatever, what Darnell was talking about, would it really be that much worse or, you, you know, than him than an athlete of any sort, you know, whether wrestling, football, basketball, or whatever, uh, you know, taking that many painkillers or getting addicted to some type of over-the-counter uh, drug medication uh, that some of these trainers and doctors, sports doctors, give these guys on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, there are things I agree with both of you guys on, you know, and I think, first of all, Tran, you know, you, you mentioned the epidemic of over-the-counter, you know, pills that people get addicted to. You know, the, the way I view it, you can be addicted to anything if you allow yourself to become addicted to it. You know, it can yeah. be anything from binge eating to, you know, like you said, taking over-the-counter pills. Really, the, the addiction is what you want it to be, um, whether you're going through an addiction or not like it it becomes addiction because you choose to allow it to become one and you know i've heard multiple people you know say that it, it it's true if you monitor what you're doing you stand a better chance of becoming uh, less addictive to whatever the substance may be but you know but, you know what, what what darnell was saying a little bit you know there are you know pills and things that you know take out the thc and allow you to still have the effects without the addictiveness and i think that it could be beneficial should there be more testing to uh, continue to advance what uh what this can do and uh allow for more peace of mind to come through it absolutely i do think that you know testing can be done and more facts can be shown but uh, ultimately i think a player should do what they feel comfortable doing uh, i i bet there are some players that wouldn't feel comfortable thinking that marijuana could be a cure for them. So if, if a player feels like that's not a logical solution for them, I don't think, you know, they should do it. But um, if it, if it proves that there is a way to make it uh, 
well, and I wouldn't say make it not addictive because like I just said, anything could become addictive if you wanted to. But if, if there's a way for it to be monitored among the players, because like you said, Tran, uh, players get addicted or not necessarily addicted, but they get handed pills left and right. And all they have to do is ask. I mean, if you watched the, uh, ES, the ESPN E60 on Calvin Johnson, he said all he had to do is ask for a pill and he was getting it in his hand, uh, close to the end of his career. So really, it's not like these guys are being controlled on the pills they take. They're they're given when they ask. So in in my mind, is that different than a guy wanting to take, you know, marijuana and, and being addicted to it? No, because what the trainers are doing is they're supplying them with what they want, not necessarily what they need. So if it were to become legal, I think it does need to be monitored. I think everything needs to be monitored that these players are getting to begin with. And I don't necessarily know if it's going to become an issue of what should or should they not take. I think it needs to be more of an issue of how they monitor what they get. Because ultimately, if they want to say, oh, they're addicted to what they're taking, well, that's because these trainers are giving it to them when they ask, not, hey, you took one three hours ago. You don't need another one. They're just giving it to them. So ultimately, I think it's a monitoring issue, not necessarily the substance itself. Okay. Well, now. I mean, I, I agree with I agree with some of that, but mm-hmm. like the biggest difference between, uh, like say marijuana versus a a Vicodin or a um mm-hmm. OxyContin or something like that, there, mm-hmm. there's chemical properties in that where if if you take it for long enough, there's there's physical dependency dependencies that start happening. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll agree. And that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. As as far as most science shows, that doesn't happen with marijuana. It, okay. it, it's a recreational drug. Uh and for the I think most of the leagues they they've spent so much time just hiding behind the legality of it that it's it's a street drug, so it's illegal, so no you can't take it. And that's that's fine. There's no issue with that. But mm-hmm. I mean there as far as comparing it to legal quote drugs alcohol tobacco it doesn't have as many of the negative issues that come along with both of those but they're not Mm -hmm. saying unless unless somebody shows they actually have a problem they're not saying you can't go to a bar after a game or 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 whatever Mm -hmm. i mean baseball they they still a lot of clubs still have beers in the in the players room uh, if if you're not playing that day, you can just go down to the locker room and crack a a, a beer and come back out and watch the rest of the game. So <laughs> I th- I think it's just some of the some of the stigma that's still around marijuana, mm-hmm. and you know, like it's the the slow moving of states uh, allowing it to certain levels. It, it's just a natural progression. I, I mm-hmm. figure it's going to be, but you know, mm-hmm. I, it once once it's accepted, especially if the breakthroughs that seem to be coming, like once we can get more uh, regulation and more testing to see if, because uh, right now some of it's still anecdotal and people mm-hmm. live by it, just saying what it can do. Cause there's no miracle drug for anything, but mm-hmm. if if it can do some of these things that it can do as far as pain relief, stress relief, 
uh, like anxiety type uh, factors that they can handle, we're gonna we might be looking at this ten fifteen years from now going what what why were these leagues so apprehensive to this? Mm-hmm. And, and I would agree there. I mean, I, I think whenever there's a big momentous change in the way things are done, everybody always looks and in more of a negative light than a positive light because, you know, we, it appears that things are working and, you know, the saying, when things are working, why fix it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, I mean, look at right now, I think one of the biggest shifts we've seen lately is, you know, the use of smartphones. A lot of people said, why do I need to access the internet on my phone? Now it appears we can't live without that. So it, it's one of those things where whenever we see a big shift in, in a culture change, and, you know, this would be a humongous shift in the sports culture, uh, we all, we always ask, you know, why why do we need to change? Why does that need to be? Um, now I'm not saying that there's 100% proof that a change in the direction of, you know, medical marijuana is going to be positive or negative in the sports world. But, you know, I, I definitely am more in the camp of let's do some testing. Let's definitely find out for more certain. I'm, I'm not saying anything is certain, but I think we can do some testing and figure out some more positive, firm facts about it and, you know, make advances from there. Because I, I do know some people where they have you know, the use of medical marijuana, and it absolutely helps them. Uh, you know, I, I think that there are positive effects to it. I also do think that there are negative effects to it as well. But once again, that become that comes back to the whole thought I had on, you know, anything could be addictive if you want it to be. So, you know, do I think some players would abuse it? Yes. But I, I do think more or less, um, as long as we, we just make sure of, how it affects the players, what what they're taking it for, and, and just monitoring how they take it, when they take it. I think, once again, it'll it'll just be for the better. And once again, I think that's what the pills that they're currently taking. If, if it's just monitored, if as long as we make sure that the players aren't becoming dependent on it, but they're using it for actual in-the-moment help, I think we'll, we'll see more advance in it rather than, hey, I, w- I want some now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Uh, guys, any anything uh, else to add? I'm not. I'm not an expert in this field. <laughs> hey, me neither. So. <laughs> you know, just, just just sharing our thoughts there, and I think we'd all agree we're not an expert. But you yeah. know, it, it 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 is hot discussion. It's discussion politically. It's discussion recreationally. It's discussion socially. Uh, but I I do think there can be some advances made in. <clears throat> Uh, the marijuana field where we could say maybe this isn't, isn't as harmful as we think it is. I mean, I think that there are some advances there, but I do think that more testing can be done and more facts can be given to ease the situation a little bit more. All right, right, guys. uh, Up next, we're about to get into NCAA football. Um, But before we actually get into the playoffs and everything, we're about to get into a little recap. Uh, that we had uh, before the season even started. We both had uh, predictions and gave our analysis on some of the conference games and so forth. So let's hear them out. Um, for the Big 12 Conference, uh, we all agree that Oklahoma was going to win that. Uh, 
for the Pac-12. Uh, for some reason, I didn't pick. Uh, I was went through it like I didn't actually pick uh, who I had winning. But Darnell and Tyler, they both agreed that Stanford was gonna. Uh, no, was Stanford was gonna lose to UCLA in the conference uh, game. So they had UCLA winning the conference. Up next for the ACC, Darnell had Clemson over Pitt. Tyler had Florida State over North Carolina. And I had Clemson over North Carolina. Now for the Big Ten Conference Championship, we all agreed that Ohio State was going to beat Iowa. For the SEC Conference game, Darnell and Tyler, they both had LSU beating Tennessee. I had Alabama beating Tennessee. Um, and for our playoff picks, uh, this were the teams that we had thought originally were going to make the playoffs. Darnell, let's see. Darnell picked Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and LSU. Darnell had Ohio State beating LSU for the championship. Tyler had Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma, and Florida State. He had Florida State beating Ohio State for the championship. I had Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. I had Clemson beating Alabama for the championship. And for our Eisman picks, Darnell had Christian McCaffrey winning it. And me and Tyler, we both had uh, Deshaun Watson winning the Eisman. Uh, guys, just looking back for recapping it, uh, for my recap, what do you think about your picks? I was uh, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Darnell, I think you'll follow suit with me here. Picking against Nick Saban's never a good idea. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, Nick, just he, he's the the definition of we don't rebuild, we re- reload. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, where I differed from you guys is I picked Florida State to win the ACC. Uh, I thought they would really rely on Dalvin Cook. And even though they did, he just wasn't enough. Uh, The quarterback, Francois, I I thought he was going to be more what Alabama did with Jalen Hurts. Uh, I thought he was going to be able to make some plays with his feet, uh, do enough passing the ball. Uh, And I thought their defense was going to be pretty stout again. Um, I understand they lost Jalen Ramsey and, and all that, but you, usually when, when you have someone following a Jalen Ramsey, they're, they're still very serviceable. Uh, someone who learns under a great player like him usually comes out and does a good enough job to, to win you a bunch of games. Now, now granted, they win nine and three this year, but, uh, you know, I, I thought Florida State was going to be able to just do enough. Uh, picking against Clemson, uh, was, Obviously not the smart decision, but you, you know you, you take a chance like that, and if it works out, you look like a genius, and when it doesn't, you just look like a fool. So uh, I'll definitely own up to that one. My what about the uh, UCLA? <laughs> well, I, honestly, I, I don't know. Granted, granted, Washington had a lot of preseason hype, uh, but for some reason, nobody was picking them to win the Pac-12. So it's not like it was just me, you know, but in reality, um, Washington making it, Washington, a fantastic season, 
shows what good coaching can do for one. Uh, when you get a big time coach, you know your your team does big time things. It's just true. Look at all look at all the teams in the playoff right now. They all have big time coaches. So you're gonna tell me that having a good coach doesn't pay off. So we're looking at teams right now, like you know Houston and Texas, hiring new coaches. Uh, big time hires are going to happen, and I think it gets rewarded when you make a big time hire like that. So we'll see what happens with with some of those other schools. But it, Josh Rosen was a disappointment this year. I know he was injured for a little while, but I mean, I don't even think UCLA finished fourth in the Pac-12. So I mean. Washington, solid team, great team. Uh, I think they can make some noise. I, I think they'll give Alabama all they can handle game one of the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, should have should have at least picked Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just shows why it's, it's hard to make predictions like this before you see a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're dealing with teams like this that have all 18 to young 20s on their team. It's pretty much impossible to figure this kind of stuff out. I mean, especially if you're trying to go out on a limb. Like, I didn't think it was crazy at first picking uh, LSU. They made it look bad early. They got better late uh, for, the, for the playoffs and to win the SEC. But like I said, just... Nick Saban is just ridiculous at just rebuilding these teams. You lose ten player, ten plus players to the draft, whatever. We'll we'll just next man up, freshman quarterback, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll win every game, and I mean it helps that uh, the SEC was a little bit down this year. Uh, can't speak for that uh, Pac-12. Uh, issue there with UCLA. I mean, I guess we bought into the hype. Uh, we did a little <laughs> bit, did a little bit of that with Tennessee as well. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. And, and Tennessee was living and dying by the last second victory. Yeah. So, you know, you can only do that for so long. Okay. All right, guys. Safe to say we should move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I, I will give you some props. I'll trade three for four. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. All righty. Uh, Should have been four for four, though. Yeah, I know, man. I'm disappointed. <laughs> that, that's the only way I'd consider you great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, up next, uh, we're about to get into these Eisman selections. Uh, I know a lot of people were getting crazy on the Internet about Jabril Preppers, uh, Tyler's guy. Um, but, you know, what are, you, what are your guys' thoughts about these candidates? Uh, do you feel as if uh, somebody missed out on being – uh, at the Eisman, uh, and I selected as an Eisman candidate, or do you feel as if there's somebody that doesn't belong in a discussion, or what? How do you guys feel? I'll, I think I'll start this one since Jabril Peppers is the name in question, and, and I'll even agree. I, I do think he is the name in question. Uh, you know, players with similar stats, players with better stats than Jabril Peppers. Yeah, they're out there. I, I definitely agree. Where where I think Jabril Peppers got got the nudge to go to New York is I think through his versatility. He's the flashy type player, being the punt return guy, playing like four 
13 or 14 different positions this year. Uh, you know, he's very appealing to the eye. Um, when your program's been in the top 10 all season long, you, you get a lot of TV exposure. Everybody sees you. Um, I, I think where he got the nudge, which was through his versatility and through his national publicity, uh, playing for Michigan doesn't hurt. Uh, Michigan gets ESPN time. They get prime time. They get, they, 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 they get the exposure. And I think that's where Jabril Peppers gets the nudge on a lot of these players who may only get regional coverage or may only get, you know, three televised games a year. I mean, Michigan's on ES, I think Michigan played on ESPN every game this year. So maybe there may have been one they didn't, but you know, so in, in my opinion, does Jabril Peppers deserve the Heisman candidacy? Probably not. Does he deserve to be noticed as one of the nation's top players? Yes. Um, and I think that there's a fine line between being one of the nation's best players and being a Heisman candidate. I do think there's a very fine line there. In terms of all the other candidates, I think they're very deserving. You're looking at, in my opinion, the three that have a realistic shot at winning. You have Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. I think all three of them are very deserving. I, once again, I still think Lamar Jackson is going to win it. Um, if Deshaun Watson comes out of nowhere and takes it, I'll look Tran and I'll look brilliant because yeah. <laughs> we called it. But, you know, I, I think the players that are there are all very good players. I think they're all, uh, you know, deserving of national recognition. Uh, but I think Mayfield, Watson, and Jackson are probably the three going to finish one, two, three in the voting. If that doesn't happen, I'll, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. Uh, disclosure. Uh, yes, I am a state fan here. I do not blame Jabril Peppers in any way for this. I'm not saying he's a bad player. Uh, as I've said to Ty and Trey, He's a first-round mm-hmm. draft pick. He should be a first-round draft pick. He will probably make some NFL team very happy because of how, how versatile he he is. But absolutely not. He should not be a Heisman finalist. Uh, okay. But like I'm like I'm saying here, I do not blame him for it. Uh, he got mm-hmm. the votes. He should go to New York. He should have a great time. I uh, enjoy the ceremony. Uh, I. I don't think he has a snowball's chance in hell to win, of course. And I, and uh, I agree. I yeah. agree. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I was a little bit dumbfounded when I saw he was a Heisman finalist. I mean, for a, I know he's a two-way player, but I mean, he really didn't do a ton on the offensive side. I, I mean, he, they would put him on the field, run a lot of wildcat formations where he. Didn't really do a ton. He had no kickoff return touchdowns. He's only had one interception on the season. Just His career. He, um, well, yeah, well, yeah, but I'm just yeah. The highest was based on the season. Yeah, so going there, but uh, it's just I it, it it was just confusing to me. But but like Ty said, it helps. He plays for a school with a big national imprint and. Michigan was a sexy team this year, uh, mm-hmm. and, 
and he was the sexiest player on the team just to stay with the lingo. I don't, I'm not talking about his looks. <laughs> just to play on the field. Uh, so, so, I mean, he, everybody it, it, like. We're, we're open and honest here, Darnell. It's okay. Married it's man. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, and to a Michigan alumni, just, just to, uh, point that out see i can be non-biased when it comes to him yeah. uh, <laughs> uh but yeah i mean he, he's an exciting player you, you get nervous when you if you're opposing him uh when you see him on the field especially on the offensive side because he, he can make some some things happen i mean he, he did get that two-point conversion at the end of the game against uh michigan state uh, against colorado on return against Colorado. So, I mean, he, he, he did make some exciting plays on the field. But, uh, I mean, this kind of goes a little bit to a gripe with how the, the Heisman voting goes. Uh, 90% of the votes were in with three weeks left in the season, mm-hmm. which is yeah. just dumb. If you have that much game to be played, where the who who I agree with you to who I figure will probably win will still be Jackson, uh, but he finished the season on a whimper. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you had other yeah. players that were starting to come up mm-hmm. and and look better at the end of the year, and possibly you could look and they may have a better complete resume. So I think, like I said, it, there's nothing against Peppers. I hope he enjoys that trip to New York and. Uh, it's a good experience for him. But if you're not going to watch the whole season and then make your votes based on that, what's the point of this reward? Uh, it shouldn't be based on your performance through week eight, nine, ten. It should be mm-hmm. through to championship weekend. Like, yeah. take take the whole season into effect. Uh, that's my main issue with it. Uh, no, I don't agree with the four. If you wanted a defensive player, you could have went with Jonathan Allen. If you wanted a two-way player, you could have went with a Dory Jackson from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their numbers yeah. were better. Uh, they yeah. they proved that they should probably be there. Personally, I think Jake Browning should have been there in front of him. Yeah, Jake, uh, that was... Yeah, yeah and, and, and if I can jump in, I think we'd all agree the Heisman voting and I even think the Heisman voting all the way down to the winner is nothing but a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. I mean a couple of years ago I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago. I can't remember which it was, but the year Tran, both you and I thought Christian McCaffrey should have won it. Yeah, last year with him. Uh, yeah. That yeah, it was last year, yeah. So I mean it, it all the way to the very end boils down to a popularity contest. Who's the flashy guy? Yeah. Um who is the guy you know on the best team. It always boils down to something really weird. Um, and usually, usually not, not every time. And I'll, I'll admit that, but usually it boils down to some form of popularity, whether it's the, the team that's in the playoff or the championship game, or, you know, it's just a popularity contest. And, 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 you know, and I'm even agreeing with you, Darnell. You know, I'd even think Jabril getting its popularity contest. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes for better TV when a name like Jabril Peppers is in rather than Adoree Jackson. How many people are going to get in there and then say, who who does Adoree Jackson play for? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are people who know who Jabril Peppers is, knows what he does, that don't even know that Adoree Jackson's a football player. Yeah. And and in the end, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it's it's once again, it's nothing against Peppers. You you, yeah. you go, you got selected, you go. So yeah. I, yeah, I would you're do the not, same you're not thing. Say yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not gonna turn down that invitation. Uh, yeah. base and say, hey, I don't think my numbers deserve this, but it's, yeah, it, but and, I, I and will it, go and say in the past, though, at least the ones that might be a little bit of a head scratcher, at least still the numbers are eye popping to go. I can still go with this. Like, yeah, even though probably Christian McCaffrey should have won last year over uh, Derrick Henry, Henry's numbers were still Yeah, ridiculous. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like when you look at this and you you look at Pepper's actual statistics, it's like like if you if you took the name off of that and just showed the 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 five finalists numbers, you would just be like, how did that that last one there get invited? Like somebody had to do more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I'll even admit to you guys, I thought if. Jabril Peppers wanted the invite. I thought he had to at least score a touchdown against Ohio State, and he failed to do so. Granted, he got the interception, and you know, good good for him. It was a big play in the game, uh, but I thought he needed at least a wildcat touchdown, if not a punt return, to at least get the invite. Because um, I, in reality, one punt return touchdown on the year in about two, two or three offensive touchdowns, I, I just didn't know that that was um, now, granted, he has he has a handful of tackles and whatnot, but if it was just on tackles, I mean, it'd be a pretty boring award, <laughs> if yeah. you ask me. All right, guys, anything else to add on the Heisman? Uh, that should be it. All right. I hope Lamar Jackson wins it. I'm going to go ahead and put that on the record. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think that's pretty much set in stone. Yeah. If, if somebody else wins it, I'll be surprised. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if Jabril Peppers finishes in the top three, I'll be surprised. Yeah. If, if he was not like literally the last of the vote getters for who was invited. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might have a big problem. Yeah. Uh, we, we might get the podcast banned. I kind of hope that happens now. <laughs> I kind of want to see what you have to say. Yeah. I want to see you fired up. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, we're about to get into the playoff. Uh, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on the playoff? And are these the actual four best teams in the NCAA this year? It's sub- subjective. I mean, it, it's subjective, but like I, I tweeted something out. Uh, might have been through over the weekend, but uh, they they did a mock up of basically what the BCS would have pulled out, and it it was the exact same four teams. Uh, they they switched. Uh, I think they kept Ohio State at two, okay. but but the the four were the same. So I do feel like they basically got it right. There's arguments that could be made for say, a Penn State or Michigan because Penn State won the Big Big Ten. Michigan, possibly you could say they, they had a better resume than Washington. 
but of course you can counter any of that kind of stuff. Penn State, they they had two losses. Uh Michigan lost to Ohio State and common opponent. Washington blew doors off Colorado and it wasn't until uh Colorado's quarterback got hurt that Michigan pulled away. So in the end I think I've, I'm I'm happy with it. I I have no huge complaint. I think they I think they basically got it right. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll follow suit. Um, I think if you look at one of these things is not like the other. It boils down to Penn State or uh, Ohio State rather not being, you know, a conference champion. All the others are. Uh, but if you look at Ohio State's resume against teams ranked at the top ten at the time, I believe they have five wins you know if you're gonna keep a team that has that type of a resume out then you better have a really good explanation why somebody else is getting in um, one thing we we saw Kirby Hoka the chairman for the playoff committee say is we want to get the four best teams in there and I think this is the closest you can get with minimal argument um, I don't know really outside of well their schedule wasn't there that you can get against Washington. They blew teams out of the water. They won their conference championship by a landslide. Uh, and so really putting them in, it makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, you look at Ohio State, their resumes there. Alabama's undefeated. They should be there. Clemson lost a last-second game that shouldn't have really been a game against uh, Pittsburgh. They've won a really close one against North Carolina State. But in reality, you look at who they beat. They beat a really good Louisville team at the time that was rolling big time, too. So I think this is the least argumentative you can get against one of the final four combinations you could have got. Um, I I know a lot of people that said Penn State should have made it. But, you know, I look at that and say, well, at some point you have to be responsible for your losses. You lose by 39 to Michigan. You lose to Pittsburgh. Granted, Pittsburgh beat Clemson, but, I mean, Pittsburgh wasn't anything to really write down on your resume. So you have to take responsibility for your losses as much as you do your wins. And those two losses were not good for Penn State. So keeping them out, I completely understand. So I like this four. I think this four is going to bring a lot of exciting stuff to the table. Um, I hope JT Barrett can pass the ball a little better than he has as of late, and that'll make the matchup with Clemson very exciting. Uh, I, you know, do I think Michigan is one of the top four teams in college football? Yeah, but that's a biased opinion. Uh, But other than that, I'm happy with the four. I have no complaints. I'm excited for it. Uh, I think the committee did a very good job. I think they have great rationale for why they picked who they did. And uh, I guess we can see what happens moving forward. All right. Uh, now, outside of the playoffs, uh, what games are you guys mostly interested in watching? Personally, I, I'm excited to watch Western Michigan. I want to see what kind of energy they bring. Yeah. They're going to be so <laughs> jacked to have a shot at Wisconsin uh, at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, that's uh, going to be interesting, yeah. I, I, I mean, granted, to... To the naked eye, it's not that exciting of a game. But if you know anything about P.J. Fleck, I think that makes you excited for this game. Um, I think P.J. Fleck's a great coach. Uh, I'm a little surprised I didn't hear his name mentioned in the Houston head coaching conversation. 
no, I'm not saying I'm not surprised he's not going to get the job or anything like that. Like, we don't know. We don't know if Houston's waiting to see what happens in their bowl game to jump on a coach, but we're starting to hear Lane Kiffin there. Uh, but I will be surprised if we don't hear PJ Fleck in some bigger school conversation uh, this off season. I think he he deserves at least a look from somebody, uh, and I think we'd all agree there. I think we all know he's done a phenomenal job. You know, I'm very excited for that Western Michigan Wisconsin game just to see what Western Michigan can bring to the table. Uh, but in terms of a non New Year's Six bowl that I'm excited excited for. You know, there, there's a few out there, like a West Virginia versus Miami. Uh, that game could get could be interesting. Uh, you know, th- there's a few out there, like Minnesota, Washington State. Both teams had re- very respectable records uh, during the regular season. But uh, I think if they're, if you're going to pin me down and say pick one that you're really interested in watching, I would have to. Honestly, probably go with one that's a little. Go ahead little, and say that. Michigan. <laughs> well, no, because I think Michigan's <laughs> going to blow Florida State out of the water. And to be fair, I said non New Year's Six. Okay. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with a very, a very odd one. And for, for a very interesting reason, I'm going to go with Indiana versus Utah. And why why I'm picking that is because Indiana just recently got rid of their head coach, a guy that got these players fired up. They played some really good football against some tough teams. They they didn't beat Ohio State. Uh, I believe they lost that game by about 14, but they they took Ohio State and gave them all that all they can handle. Uh, Indiana beat some beat some decent programs this year. They beat no offense to you, Darnell, but they beat a Michigan State. They beat uh, or they gave Penn State all they could handle. So, you know, Indiana, a really, really, they're a squad that just, just doesn't have the signature win. They take every, they take everybody to the end and it seems like they can't cross the, cross the threshold. They, they play number 19, Utah. Now, I don't think Indiana is going to win that game. I'll pick against them to win that game, but I would like to see how Indiana reacts to losing their head coach, not to another coaching job, but to really not seeing eye to eye with, administration uh, basically what it boiled down to was they they thought there was some mistreatment of the players uh co- the head coach wasn't seeing eye to eye with administration on some issues so they just let him go so i'll be interested to see how indiana reacts and plays to that a team that can hang around with some of the bigger programs a team that has really an underrated defense and an offense that can be explosive at times I'll be interested to see if they can pull it off against Utah, but more importantly, I'll be interested to see what kind of uh, intensity they bring if they hang around or if they just get blown out of the water. Okay, uh, just for me, I'll make it real quick. Uh, one I'm interested in is LSU versus Louisville. Um, I've been a huge fan of Lamar Jackson uh, this year, uh, as so a lot of people. Um, but, you know, he started mm-hmm. off great, but, you know, something just happened to this Louisville team at the uh, getting close to the end of the season where they just looked like the exact opposite of uh, what people were seeing out of them at the beginning of the season. So they got about a month to prepare for what LSU team that started off slow, but, you know, Eddie Orgeron, started to get those players to believe in themselves, uh, start uh, listening to them and start playing pretty good. So I just think this would be a good test for uh, Lamar Jackson uh, to see and uh, let him just see and just show the world, uh, you know, that he's uh, truly for real again, you know, that 
you know, mm-hmm. at the end of getting close to the end of the season, you know, I was playing bad, the whole team was playing bad, but we're going to pull it through, we're going to beat this tough LSU uh, team, so I think this would be a great test for them uh, to end this season with Louisville. Yeah, I can I can agree with that one. Uh, I'm interested to see how Jackson does in that against that defense. Yeah, because uh, I mean, seems like some of the better defenses he went up against, uh, he he wasn't able to light up, especially after he thrust himself on the scene playing Florida State. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of them, I I am interested in watching that Michigan Florida State game. Uh, mm-hmm. To see if uh, Florida State can neutralize that Michigan front four that has seemed to be able to do everything without calling blitzing. Uh, to see if they can give Dalvin Cook some some room to push him back, and of course that great secondary. See what they can do uh, mm-hmm. against a, a a pretty fast FSU uh, receiving core. I think that will be a good game and. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go along with the Big Ten versus uh, Power Conference uh, schools, uh, I- I'm interested in the Rose Bowl. Big Ten traditionalists mm-hmm. yeah. uh, want to see if Penn State can keep their their second half magic going against the USC team that mm. was honestly playing like a a playoff team at the end of the yeah. year, just lost too much too early. Uh, think that'll be a good game. Uh, uh, stepping out of the confines, I also I, I want to watch uh, Colorado and Oklahoma State. I think that might just be a lot of points scored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, talking about that Michigan Florida State game, you know, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. I think those linebackers against Dalvin Cook is going to be very interesting. Uh, Michigan, in and even in recent years, has tended to let bigger running backs step on them. Uh, is Dalvin Cook going to be able to? be physical against this linebacking court and front front, you know, defensive line, like a taco Charlton off the edge. Is he going to be able to break him outside? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting to see what blitz is Don Brown runs up against, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily know that calling Francois freshman quarterback anymore is a very relevant term, but you know, you know, Don Brown's going to be drawing up some things that Florida state won't be expecting coming from Boston college. He's already seen, Florida State. He knows Florida State. He knows what they like to do. So I think that favors Michigan. Uh, so I, I think Don Brown's going to be bringing a lot of different disguising blitzes. Uh, he's going to disguise a lot of coverage, uh, you know, show blitz back off. But ultimately, I think that's going to be the matchup here is going to be Dalvin Cook against, against this Michigan defense. Uh, I think the secondary will take care of business. They, they have tended to all season. They haven't really let anybody do a ton of passing on them. Uh, where Michigan usually tends to get hurt is through a mobile quarterback and a good running back, and that's what Florida State can bring. So I think that's going to be the matchup here. Yeah, uh, it's, it's power on power there. Uh, yeah. Like For as good as Michigan's defense is, if they do have a weakness, I do think it's that middle level, the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. Uh, it the, the games where they were tested a lot, uh, it was teams with a good power rushing attack that were able to get to that second level. And it seemed if you could get to the linebackers, you could get yards. Uh, that's what uh, Michigan State was able to do. That's what Iowa was able to do uh, in the second half when 
it was it was more JT Barrett than the running backs, but that's what Ohio yeah. State was able to do. Yeah. Uh, so interested to see uh, how they uh, how they adjust for that because they're going against one of the top three running backs in college football, Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. So see see if they're prepared for that. See if that Florida State O line can keep that front four at bay and open up some holes for Cook to try to make something happen uh, getting to that Michigan linebacking core. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, guys, are there any games uh, that you feel will be a snooze fest? Uh, I'll just go ahead Michigan and say Michigan versus Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Seriously, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I- Iowa versus Florida. Two yeah. teams, good defenses and bad offenses going at it. Uh, it's probably going to be a terrible game, I think. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, won't won't disagree too much there. Uh, one one game I think has potential, and then I'll give one that I think actually will. The one I think that has potential is Oklahoma versus Auburn. If Oklahoma's defense even shows up. Uh, and their offense does what they're supposed to do. That game could potentially be fifty something to ten. Like there, there's definite potential there for that. But mm-hmm. one that I definitely think will be will be uh, Tennessee versus Nebraska. I think just the size of an SEC Tennessee team will definitely mess with Nebraska a little bit, especially defense to offense. Uh, if that Tennessee defense can st- just stop. Uh, Oh, I'm blanking on the Nebraska quarterback's name. Tommy Armstrong. Tommy Armstrong yeah. Jr., yeah. Yeah, if they can just focus him and stop him, I don't know that that offense offers a ton more. Um, so I think Tennessee has the potential to really move it all over Nebraska. Well, yeah, and, and like our running joke up until he got injured with uh, Chad Kelly, Tommy Armstrong is the Big Ten's version of that where – yeah, you, you might get good Tommy for a little while, but he, yeah. he tends to always find a way to give it to the other team at the worst time. So, yeah, and 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 you know, I think beyond that, when you look at Tommy Armstrong's numbers for the majority of the year, he was like ten for twenty-two for like one hundred and seventy-five yards. Yeah. So he he completes few passes, but they're always big plays. So <clears> as long <throat> as they can prevent the big play, I don't see Nebraska doing a ton. All right, guys, um, anything else to add for the NCAA? No. All right. Uh, up next, we're about to get into the pick-ems. Uh, we don't really have any uh, college pick-ems going on this week. Uh, we're going to start that, get that together. Uh, once we do a, uh, the uh, kind of bracket that's going on for the uh, bowl games. Uh, but so far, Darnell, he leads that 47 out of 63. Tyler leads, uh, is in second with 44 out of 63. I'm um, last with 42 out of 63. All doing pretty good in yeah. that, but compared to NFL, yeah, we could be doing better. Um, <laughs> well, once, once the college teams get on the field, see, I, I can pick games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For, forecasting. Yeah. Uh, playoff teams. I, I might not be too good there, but. Yeah, I, I think we're all in the same boat. It's easier to yeah. pick games than it is to pick four from zero and zero to twelve and zero. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, uh, but we're about to do the NFL pickums. Uh, Darnell, he's in first in this one with twenty nine out of fifty six. Uh, I, me and Tyler were both tied uh, with twenty eight out of fifty six. So we're Made at up the five hundred yeah. right now. Uh, yeah, five hundred or above right now. So let's just see how it goes. Um, <laughs> first game we got Chicago versus Detroit. Who you guys have? I'm rolling with them. Give me the Lions. Right, I'm with you here. Uh, Chicago is awful. So, <laughs> well, and and, th- and this is one of the games where I believe Detroit should be nine and three as opposed to eight and four. So, yeah. true, very true. So, it's one of those things where at home I think Detroit takes care of them. Revenge game. Yeah. Okay, I'm rolling with Detroit as well. So, uh, get this. Up next, we have. Uh, We'll do this one. We uh we'll go with the Jets versus San Francisco. The game of the week. <laughs> the game of the, the week. The game of the week. <laughs> in, re- in reality, though, this game is gonna be awful. <laughs> um, give me San Francisco. It looks like Kaepernick's gonna start again, and I think he'll actually be able to move it around this Jets defense. Give me San Francisco. All right. Oh God. <laughs> so hard to pick a game between two bad teams. Well, we'll be uh, picking all the college bowl games, so yeah. get ready. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll go against you, Ty. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go. Six bits. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with my man, Cap. Uh, he's been having a down year, but I think hopefully he'll get it together against the Jets, so. Yeah, hopefully. Well, he's looking good up and gets up until that game last week. Yeah. 2.6 fantasy points. He hurt a lot of people last week. True. Yeah. Up next, we have Seahawks versus Green Bay. Oh, man. This is going to be an interesting one because I want, like, logically, I want to pick Seattle. Yeah. But, you know. They lost real name, too. Thomas uh, Earl Earl Thomas. Yeah. yeah, really, really a devastating injury, especially seeing how he reacted to that. Yeah, saying you know it's not going to question our retirement. It's kind of like that seems really like a rash decision, but yeah. you know, hey, it's it's his call. But um, you know, back to my point, you know, I want to pick Seattle, but looking at it for the playoff picture, I want to pick Green Bay because that would help Detroit out. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, I, I think realistically, I'm going to go with Seattle. I still think their defense is really good, even without Earl Thomas. I think they'll be able to slow down Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Monte Adams. Uh, plus, with with the ability that the Seattle defense has, I think they can really play with Aaron Rodgers and force him into some poor throws, uh, make him look like some of the bad Rodgers we've seen this year. So. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna go with Seattle. Uh, sometimes your gut doesn't do you wrong. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Seattle here too. Uh, definitely, Earl Thomas is a big loss for him. Uh, so, it might be once or twice during a game where uh, Rodgers and one of his receivers are able to pop the top off of the defense. Uh, but the Seattle defense still has a lot of good pieces, so I think they're able to hold. Green Bay in check because this is not a very good Green Bay team. They're still dangerous. They still have a chance to make it to the playoffs, but I don't think they're scaring the elite of the 
NFC. Uh, and as a side note, due to that injury, uh, I've, I've mentioned it to other people, but I think uh, at the end of the year, Seattle might want to think about trying to trade up to get one Jabril Peppers. All mm, right. Interesting. Oh, okay. Although he could be a he could be a fix. They are a system. They're they're not yeah. necessarily a matchup D. They're just a straight up system. True, but I mean to get an athletic safety like that to no, and and, and that's what I'm saying. Jabril yeah. can fit a system. Yeah, he doesn't sure. he doesn't need to be a matchup player, and he's not a matchup player. He's yeah. a system guy, yeah. and so I I agree I agree there. I won't disagree with that, but I also may add add this and I don't I don't see it happening but a lot of times it's fun to talk about the revenge game is Christine Michael gonna get a couple scores or something like yeah. it's just it's just gonna be fun to see uh, them letting him go a couple weeks ago with the emergence of Rawls for the pro site ag- agreed uh, <laughs> I, I wonder I wonder if them losing pro size makes them wish they held on to Christine Michael but uh once again, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to talk about, especially if he blows up. Um, yeah. But still, should be a good game either way. Yeah, Peppers to the Seahawks, man. That would be that would be good. I think to see. perfect. That'd be it. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be interesting. interesting man. That'd yeah, be, for sure. Especially if Thomas does come back, so he can take a year to learn from an elite safety. Yeah. No. That'd and then great. he can play special teams immediately. It, so. I now. Now, just to add to that real fast, I've seen a lot of people comparing him similarly to Tyron Matthew, being a player that's very versatile, able to play multiple positions, be a ball hawk, just fine, <laughs> just have a nose for the ball, make yeah. tackles, uh, pass breakups. Doesn't necessarily get all the picks. But, yeah, uh, that's that definitely just yeah, j- yeah, just definitely has a nose for the ball. Yeah, um, turns yeah. is it? Yeah, I'm going with the Seahawks as well. Uh, just think they're they're the better team. Uh, Sherman is still gonna have Sherman and Chancellor. Uh, they're still gonna be out there uh, duking it out against Green Bay. So uh, with the loss of Thomas, you know I do see uh, Green Bay taking advantage advantage of uh, that defense uh, sometimes, but I don't think it's gonna be enough for them to win the game. So going with Seattle. Up next, we have them Dallas Cowboys, first only team to give them an L this year. Uh, the Giants. Uh, who do you guys have? How about them Cowboys? <laughs> I think they I think they got this one circled. That's the one team to give them an L. I think they want to even the score. So, is this one home or the road for the Jets? Yeah, Giants in the Meadowlands. Yeah. They're in the Meadowlands. Interesting. You know, I think both teams are starting to trend in the right direction, though. Uh, even though, granted, Dallas has won multiple straight. Um, I, I still think you see you see improvements every week. Um, so to say they're trending in the right direction, I don't think it's a far off comment. But the Giants have definitely started to find their stride. Uh, one player I'm surprised with is uh, Jennings, starting to run the ball effectively for them, catch it out of the backfield. He's kind of made a, a big turn for them and has really really helped that offense kind of round out. Um, but with that being said, I still like Dallas. <laughs> I mean, I I don't see how you can really pick against them. They're 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 not only beating teams; they're beating teams and looking good. The Giants are yeah, the Giants are beating teams and still leaving you with questions. So give me the give me the Cowboys. Yeah, well, I'm picking against Dallas. I'm going with the Giants. Uh, 
Found a way to beat them before. I think they're going to be confident in their own uh, home game. So, you know, their own place. So, I think they're just going to find a way. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, very close. But I think the Giants are going to find a way to pull it off. Uh, so, giving the Giants on that one. Last but not least, we have my Baltimore Ravens versus the Pats. Uh, who do you guys got? Uh, here, no Gronkowski. I've uh, been put on IR for the rest of the year, so that's a that's definitely a big blow. But uh, I, I still think offensively they're they're finding ways to make to make do. I think Martellus Bennett can still be a very serviceable tight end. He's proven this year that in an absence of Rob Gronkowski, he can play big. Uh, he still has the trust of a uh, of Tom Brady. He he's able to be a solidified target, but someone who's starting to emerge is Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, he's caught, I believe three or four touchdowns in the last four weeks. So I still like the Patriots here. I think both teams are going to rise up. I think uh, Baltimore is playing some solid football, though. Uh, the run game's still a little sporadic. Uh, sometimes the passing game isn't fully there, but I think they'll they'll definitely play well against the Patriots, a big AFC matchup. Uh, but I'll, I'll take the Patriots. I think LeGarrette Blount's going to have a nice game. Yeah, uh, this is going to be one of the tougher defense for the Patriots to match up with. Uh, if this wasn't in Gillette, uh, I think it's, I think it's in, in Foxborough, right? Yep, yep. Patriots are home. Yeah. If, if it wasn't at home, I would be more inclined to pick Baltimore here, but due to that, I think I'm wrong with it. All right. I am going with my squad, Baltimore, in this one. Uh, this game to me is a must win for Baltimore. I think if they win this game against a tough time Brady team, uh, this will basically seal the deal for them to uh, clinch uh, their playoff. Them in uh, Pittsburgh, they're right at it to potentially get the, uh, the uh, their division, uh, win their division. So with this tough uh, game against the Pat uh, against the Pats, if Baltimore finds a way to win this game. I think this gives them enough confidence to seal out the rest of their game. So I think this is a, they got this game marked. They're going to be ready uh, come Monday and they're going to find a way to beat Tom Brady. So going with Baltimore on this one. It's definitely a big game for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess kind of to foreshadow what you're saying, this is a must win for Baltimore. I think next week for the Lions against uh, the Giants is a must win for Detroit. So, you know, a, a lot of good football still to be played with just a few amount of weeks left. You yeah. know, there's there's some big games, but it seems to be every week. So I think the end of the NFL season here is going to shape up to be really good. I think we're going to see some good viewer ratings and definitely a lot of must-watch games with a lot of implications on the line. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add, you know, whether NFL, college football, uh, basketball, whatever? Getting the crunch time for – picks in uh on a collegiate and pro level so yeah it's, it's starting to get fun yeah yeah absolutely you know bowl time's a great time a lot of teams let loose and open up the playbook so we'll see a lot of good football games uh especially on the collegiate side pro side uh you know the the bigger matchups are going to be you know fewer but there's still going to be a lot of implications still to be played out um College basketball's heating up still. A lot of good matchups still moving forward. We'll see a lot of good games throughout the remainder of the season. It's just a just really good time for sports right now. So uh, 
a lot of excitement left, a lot to look forward to, um, and couldn't be happier about it. Yeah. All right, guys, as always, I appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. Uh, you can also find our podcast on SoundCloud, um, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, a lot of places. Just uh, hit that search engine. You should be able to find us. So, uh, as always, like I said, I appreciate it. Um, also, feel free to check out my cousin's YouTube channel if you're interested in cars, uh, the Black Scat Pack. And, uh, you know, like I said, again, you know, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, peace out.